With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, what's up there, Surf Splendor podcast listeners? Welcome to today's show. I am your host, David Scales, as usual. Um, I will keep my preamble short today. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thrilled to have you. All past episodes are downloadable on surfsplendorpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. You can find us there. Everything's archived for free. We're coming up on about 50 episodes now. I think this is 48. So there's plenty of content for you there at those places. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at Surf Splendor and share the show with friends. That's the only form of advertising we have. It's your way to invest into the show's future is just by sharing it with friends. So we appreciate you doing that. The show's been growing. We're thrilled. And um, lastly, if you just want to participate in any of this conversation, uh, you can do that either on social media or on our website. We have a comment section on each episode page. So feel free to share your feedback there. And then, of course, you can email us through the website as well. So thank you for listening. Today's episode is Surf News with Scott Bass. I hope that you enjoy, and I will be back in the end to sign us off. Thanks again. Hey, welcome everybody down the line. Surf Talk Radio. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Yeah, guy. That's right, I said it. Yeah, guy. Dude, that is my dad's favorite song that you're playing right now. This is, uh, by the way, the best song ever. It's um, the brand new Eric Clapton tribute to J.J. Kale. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's a series of 12 songs on this CD. All J.J. Kale songs with... Various guys that Clapton brought into the studio, like Mark Knopfler, Tom Petty, John Mayer, Willie Nelson, so forth and so on. Well, my dad's version that I'm used to him playing is um, ZZ Top, and he's seeing them tonight at the uh, the Greek, incidentally. So coincidental. By the way, I knew your dad was cooler than you, but this just, 
this just goes, takes it to a whole nother level. Your dad's going to see ZZ Top. With Jeff Beck. All time. All time, dude. That's, that's pretty epic. Yeah, did not invite me, by the way. Good move, Mr. <laughs> Scales. Well, anyway, we're here to talk surf. It is uh, August 13th. It's a Wednesday here in the year 2014. Scott Bass and David Lee Scales with you talking surf. Uh, every couple of weeks we get together and do this, and um, I'm going to turn down this music a little bit, and we'll get into it. We'll, um, we'll start talking some surf. Yeah, so uh, downthelineradio.com is your website, right? And mine is surfsplendorpodcast.com if anybody wants to check that out. In between shows that I co-host with Scott here, um, I also do other shows that are basically just profile pieces with people in the industry. So that's Surf Splendor. All right. Well, um, I got some follow-up stuff from the last couple episodes. Okay. Please start off there, brother. Firstly. The last episode. Yeah. Firstly, I just need to know why whenever we communicate via email, you use all caps. What's the deal with the all caps? It feels very hostile. <laughs> uh, no, you're reading way too much into it. It's probably the thing where I was just lazy and I happened to hit the all cap thing. And you know how when you're typing and you hit the all cap thing, the button, uh-huh. and you don't realize it for a few sentences, you don't want to erase it all and start over. So you just roll with it like you're yelling it at you. No, I actually take my time and go back and correct grammatical errors and uh, punctuate all of my sentences. And then I get this email back from you that I feel like I'm being yelled at. <laughs> so well, you know, I just want to know what the deal is. We're just dude. not all quite as tuned up and perfect as you, David. Thank you, Scott. That's all that I needed you to acknowledge. So we can move on from that topic. Yes, we can. Um, on another topic, though, in reference to our last episode, I did receive some feedback on it uh, on your U.S. Open rant. I don't know if rant is the right word. I think rant is the best way to describe what you did in that episode uh unfortunately most of the feedback i received was sympathizing with your position and uh telling me that i was what was my position do you want to just quickly clarify so i want to make sure you know what my position was Mm, okay well your position was that the u.s open should be moved to a different venue it shouldn't be held in huntington beach and it probably should be transitioned to lower trestles that's exactly right. And I'm, I'm okay with, I want the youth lifestyle industry to have a big festival in Huntington Beach. I want that to happen. I want there to be a skateboard thing and a snowboard thing and a retail component and BMX and a rock concert. That's fine. Just call it the Warped Tour, which is what it is. It's the Vans Warped Tour. Don't bring down the sport of surfing by calling it the U.S. Open of Surfing when in fact, surfing is just one of the many things that they're there to highlight. If they were really trying to lift up the sport of surfing and call it the U.S. Open, they would have it at the best possible location, which is uh, what all the other sports that have a quote-unquote U.S. Open do. They have it at the best possible location available to them. Right. And we don't need to rehash our whole discussion from the last episode. No, People I- should go back and listen to it. Yeah. But my retort wasn't even arguing that you know, that we shouldn't have it at lowers. I I agree. I love the lowers event. My retort was just that I don't really care if they call this event, the U S open, they're going to do one, one event at each place, which they already do. It doesn't really matter to me that one is called the U S open and the other is called the Hurley lowers pro, you know, as long as I get to see the best surfers at lowers in September, that's all that I care about. So 
That was my argument. But I agree with you. You're missing the big picture. I understand what you're saying. You are missing the we big can, picture. We can still disagree, and most of our fans can agree with you, and I'm okay with that, too. You. I have a, a friend who doesn't even surf. I know him through kind of the wine world, but um, even he tech, he started listening to the show a few episodes back, and he even texted me, and he's like, dude, I know that we're friends, and I don't even know that guy, Scott, but I agree with him on this one point. So that, so, hurt, that hurt my feelings. Is this the only time he's agreed with me? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, another kind of email that came through, and it's come up a number of times, is just longtime listeners to Down the Line Radio asking about Jeff Baldwin and what happened to Baldy. And they're okay having me replace Baldy, but they're just curious about – where he's at and what he's what's he been up to and why he was here one day and gone the next yeah well um baldy and i you know we were on terrestrial radio down in san diego for okay. a number of years and um we were on extra sports 1360 am they basically pulled the plug on us because we weren't making any money for him and when that happened baldy and i sort of floated around in fact for a little while we didn't even do the show and then um you know we, you and i sort of hooked up and and Baldy didn't really show an interest to carry on because he, he didn't want to do it unless it was like live on the air in terrestrial space. He wasn't like a podcast fan. and It's not so much that. It's just that, you know, he got busy with other things. And, and I, I, I speak with Jeff a lot. You know, we rap out all the time about different stuff and we tweet and stuff. Um, Jeff's one of – I've had quite a few um, co-hosts. Right. You right. know, like I, I, I started out in, at Surfer Magazine with um, – I don't know. I want to maybe Sam George. And um, then I just kind of did it on my own. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I had Rob Machado and I did a show in San Diego on terrestrial space for a while. And then that transitioned into um, James Pribram. Oh, yeah. From Laguna. He and I did it for a while. And then I got um, hooked in with Marty Thomas. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, Baldy. So and now you, why do so many co-hosts uh, come and go so quickly? Is it just cause it's not equitable, you know, and there's no financial reward. That's basically it. Basically there's they run out of money. passion. There's never been money and you can only do it for so long before you're just like, you know what? It was fun for a year, but I'm sort of talked out. And, yeah. And, um, you know, so why have you remained while those others have wavered? Um, probably cause I, I enjoy it. I generally enjoy discussing these things, you know, um, I don't know. You know, I guess that's it's plus I'm the guy that always gets fresh blood. Like it, I really enjoy talking with you, you know, because you're a smart guy and we have great discussions and, and I don't really know you. So yeah. I get to learn about you and stuff like that. And so, yeah. um, you know, it freshens it up. Right. You know? Well, good. I'm glad that you've, um, stuck with it all these years, you know, and I've been exposed to you kind of peripherally a number of times. And I've listened to the show a couple of different times prior to me doing it. But for me, I mean, I was just such a huge fan of the podcast platform and there wasn't enough surf content available for me to listen to in the podcast thing. So that's kind of why I started and recognizing that you had been doing it for a long time. I thought that there was, uh, knowledge that I could glean from you, but also listenership that I could glean from you that you had already established that if we partnered up, I could kind of benefit and also be able to provide something to you in terms of just passion and enthusiasm. So, um, not that you're asking, but that's how I kind of got connected. Yeah. Well, no, and, and look, I know there's upsides for both of us and i certainly hope that at some point we can monetize this to be perfectly blunt. Yeah. You know, um, and maybe we can, you know, one thing I do have 
I may have told you this, but I have DVD, mini DVD tapes of probably the first three years of the show with just, you know, and that was when we were at Surfer. So we had pro surfers coming into the office every day. So I have a bunch of really great DVD tapes that we could perhaps, um, you know, get onto the Surf Splendor site or the down the line site. And, and somehow, you know, there needs to be some back end work done. Somebody's going to have to upload it and look through it and edit it and all that. Is but, it video footage as yeah. well? Yeah. Holy video cow. Footage. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I will uh, undertake that responsibility. That's some pretty good stuff. That's huge. Yeah. Okay, and cool. what we also need to do is get a, an app. We need a down-the-line app. Where you people, think so? Yeah, I do. I don't think so. I do. I like the idea of an app. Why? What would the benefit of an app be? I think the benefit of the app is first is that, as you know, I've been lagging in being able to, um, to sort of put a metrics to how many people are listening to the show. I know you have that, but mm -hmm. I don't have that. But it would give... Um, it would give me, I guess, the ability to, to sort of see who's downloading the app. And there's great metrics that are involved in that. I just feel like that you can just do some legwork to figure out from wherever you're uh, uploading, whatever server you're uploading to already houses that information. So you can access that information currently. The app, I don't see an incentive of downloading the app if you can already get the show on iTunes and Stitcher and elsewhere, unless the app is providing unique content like no, that video stuff. Maybe, if you were to, but I just see it as a different, another dis, another distribution point, but maybe. It would be, but those people who are savvy enough to download the app already are listening to the show on a different app. None of my listeners are savvy, just for the record. Let's just <laughs> Wow, you're burning your listenership right now. <laughs> oh, dude. just kidding. Talk about alienating. Savvy, spell it. S-A-A-V-V-Y? Wrong, sir. You okay, S-A-A-V-Y. So my listeners are more savvy than my co-host, apparently. Two A's, one V? What's the next topic? Dude, you don't even know how to I spell it. I do too. It. I know how to spell it. I don't need to prove it to you right now. I'm exactly. comfortable in my ability to spell it. you can't spell it. That is If incorrect. you did, you'd spell it with all caps. S-A-V-Y. No, that's so wrong, dude. There's two. S-A-A-V-Y. There's two of one thing. It's either A's or V's, but I think it's A's. Anyways, was that in all caps or not? <laughs> yes, all caps. Um my other, I got two other catch-up topics. Okay. Uh, I need your acknowledgement for Carlos Munoz winning a popularity contest with the Hurley Lowers Pro wildcard entry. Yeah, that was cool. I was bummed um, about the way that you had to sign in on Facebook. Yeah. And they were going to take all of your data and stuff and basically use it. That kind of bummed me out. Totally. You know? So I, did you I think vote? People are getting, no, I didn't. I didn't Because either. of that. Me too. And I wanted to. I wanted to vote for Matt Banning. Right. Because um, I wanted to see him... I wanted to see him then maybe not live up to all the hype you've given him in front of a bunch, you know, on tour. Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to build him up and then tear him down. But, ulterior no, motive. I, you know, Matt serves great. Look, he, he killed it at the U.S. Open. And, mm -hmm. um, he won the juniors and he made the, I think, semis in the men's. Quite frankly, most of those guys in that Hurley, you know, vote for the wildcard thing were worthy. I oh, yeah, totally. And the video thing's kind of unfair. You know, is it like really the guy with the best video segment gets on? I mean... I guess it's a way to do it, but some well, of them just didn't live. Like there's guys that surf really good that just didn't have really good video parts relative to the guy next to them. You know? And like, let me, let me break that down because I've seen some failures on Hurley's part with their criteria in the criteria. You submit two waves per round. So your two clips versus your competitors, two clips and people vote on which ones are better, but they have to be clips that have never been showcased before. So generally what these surfers do who 
are generally free surfers. They're not um, competing, and that's why they're trying to get into this event. And so what they generally do is reserve their best clips to use in a web edit, which furthers their career. So their A-plus clips have already been used in their web edits in the previous couple of months. So if they have clips to submit to Hurley, they're kind of the B-roll clips, you know, or the B-quality clips. So you see guys like Jay Davies, who put out banger edits every other month, and Matt Banning, for that matter, and Carlos Munoz, submitting these clips that they really wouldn't have even used to showcase their talent previously. And so I'm looking, and then the further, the other thing is, you want to reserve your better clips for the semifinals and the finals. You don't want to come out with a bang and then falter in round two. So the round one stuff, it's pretty lame clips. You're looking through it going, dude, I know all these guys surf better than this. Why would they even submit this? Well, that's the reason why. Yeah, and, and I think also that guys like, for instance, myself, I went on there. I was going to vote for Matt Banning, even if he was, you know, nose riding Finn first on an old log. I didn't oh, okay. care because I just wanted to see Matt Banning in the, in the event. Okay. And I think... It could be said that some people go with that same motivation where it's like, I'm voting for Carlos because he's my buddy or right. I'm friends with his mom or whatever, right? right? And and I think that a lot of people, and I'm assuming here that a lot of people go in with that motivation that I'm, I don't care what his, his edit looks like, I'm going to vote for him. Well, he was apparently able to mobilize his entire country That's of Costa I mean. Rica. That's what I mean. Yeah. Do you think they cared about his video clip? No, they were they wanted to see a Costa Rican in the event. Whereas maybe Australia is a larger population, but their votes are dispersed among Jack Freestone, Matt Banning, and who Jay Davies, uh, the other guy, all the other Australians that were competing. You know, so but Carlos, to be perfectly honest, if I had to pick one surfer who was going to be in the Hurley Lowers Pro. Carlos would be one of them. He is an incredible surfer. He's an incredible talent. And I think he's kind of underperformed on the QS, which I've been disappointed by. So I'm happy to see him get an opportunity to gain some points towards a world tour campaign. Yeah, it's going to be neat to see Carlos do do the event and hopefully he'll do well. And I don't know what the history is on those wild cards doing well in that event. Um, they did this last year, though. I remember last year was the first time. Was they it? Did and there this. was that kid from Newport. What's that kid's name? That's really right. He's hot. from North Carolina. Cam Richards. Yeah, Cam it. Richards is yeah. the guy I'm thinking of. Okay, he's from North Carolina. Yeah. And the the big story for him last year was that um, he kind of came out of nowhere. He beat he? Dane Reynolds, or actually, no, I think he lost to Dane in the very last. And that's right. He he did incredibly well and then lost to Dane at the last minute. But he had Jamie Foxx, the actor, tweeted, vote for Cam. Um, some Playboy models had voted, had done it, professional baseball players, and actually had Cam on the show last year after that happened and interviewed him about it. And he doesn't know Jamie Foxx or the models or anything. It just kind of grew organically somehow and went viral, and those people wanted the underdog to win, you know? Well, that's interesting. And, and speaking of Dane Reynolds, wouldn't we want Dane Reynolds in the event? I mean, is, does he get a wild card already? No. Dane got the wild card last year for barely beating out Cam. The side story so no was... no Dane Reynolds in the Hurley Pro? No, not this year. He mm. lost in round two last year, uh, got last place. And Dane, I saw an interview with him. He's kind of seemed to back out of um, competition. Like, he went into 2014... But he was Fully in the in, U.S. Open, right? He was. Yeah, that's his main lame. Vans is one oh, of his sponsors, yeah, so it might have been an obligation. Yeah. But Dane intended to compete on the QS in 2014, but did really really poorly in the first couple events, surfing two-foot slop at Mary, you know, Newcastle event in Australia, and um, 
and I think he just lost his competitive fire. It was like, well, that sucked. <laughs> so he, uh, in an interview I saw with him recently, he basically said he lost his competitive fire and he's like he's a softer of version of Bruce Irons. Yeah. But he's been surfing well. Well, you so, know, like so free surfing. Irons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing, not to dominate this uh, beginning of the show, but another thing I wanted to catch up about was uh, I went to the premiere of the surf, the globe surf film, Strange Rumblings in Shangri La. Did you see that or have you paid attention to it at all? No. Do you have any interest at all? Uh, maybe. I mean, I've seen, you know, a surf movie premiere, whatever. I don't, you know. I'm, yeah. You don't like going to the premieres in general? Is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I mean, I'd rather just watch it at home. Like, okay. why do I have to go stand online? Do you have an interest in um, the medium of surf film still? Or is that kind of I waning? do, but not in sort of the surf porn type, you know, like not in high action, high performance surfing i'd rather just watch it online mm -hmm. you know if if the, the i'll tell you the one film that needs to be made that hasn't been made that will interest me is why i quit surfing because and i've told you this before my my problem with documentary surf films that explore surfing it's usually the theme is usually surfing's bitching i love surfing my life is ruled by surfing isn't surfing great yeah and that movie's been done probably you know three thousand times it started with endless summer and it continues to this day who people, you know, you get a 19 year old kid with a camera and an idea and it generally turns out to be the same old movie. Right. You know, here's me surfing my home break. I love surfing. It's incredible. My whole life revolves around surfing. Blah, blah, blah. Boring, boring, boring. I want to see the movie where the guy goes, you know what? I decided to quit surfing. I'm over it. Yeah. And now tell me why. Now that's interesting. Like we understand everyone loves surfing. I don't understand why the one guy quit surfing. That kind of interests me. Right. Well, um, that would certainly be an interesting kind of documentary style movie to produce. And I agree with you, like the surf porn type edits, high action, fast music, I'm burned out on. And it's been distilled down to just these three, two or three minute clips that we watch online now. And that's all that I need of it. My interest with this Globe film, though, came out of... Um, the uh, film that they made a couple years ago called Year Zero. And they do just, they're really interesting movies. They're really well filmed. They're aesthetically interesting to watch. They're shot on film as opposed to digital. In Year Zero, they had one band score the entire film, which was really cool. And there's a lot of, um, I don't know, narrative involved, like actual narration. What you know? are they saying? Though? Like, cause, I mean, well, they, there's been narration since, you know, sound movie started like. and this is kind of a throwback to that actually this is kind of a throwback to 60s era surf films of narrating a storyline and not unlike the endless summer i guess but um i liked year zero a lot so i was really interested in strange rumblings and shangri-la and they've been filming it for two years and i know some of the surfers involved and it was just it's all the globe team it's basically five or six surfers taj burrow hobgood brothers um, Noah Dean, Brendan Gibbons, Dion Agius are the main guys. Creed Metagart is one of the other guys. They go to exotic locales. Mozambique is one of them. And so the, um, the locales are interesting and unique and different. The style of filming is different. The director, it seems like he's kind of trying to knock off Wes Anderson from Hollywood who made... Um, the Darjeeling Limited and the Life Aquatic and the Royal Tenenbaums, 
the Grand Budapest Hotel was his most recent film. So it's kind of kooky and corny and that the stylistic, the stylized director kind of uh, stop objective. But the film is really, really good. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it fully. Like it's an hour long surf film that I enjoyed more than I have since I have anything I can remember since I was a kid, probably. Uh, it's a beautiful film. The surfing's incredible. The music's incredible. I highly recommend that people check it out when it becomes available on I, iTunes. I'm sure it's a great film, uh, you know, and I, I'm sure I would enjoy it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. You've told me a little bit about it now. I guess my thing is, look, if, I, I'm so inundated with surf stuff mm -hmm. that if I'm going to go sit in a theater, I want to go watch 22 Jump Street. Really? <laughs> or so, or that would not be my Four, choice. Or... You know what I mean? Like, I want to see a, a, a real story told, you know, yeah. rather than here we are going surfing. Here's our story of us going surfing. You know, let me guess. You, you got on a plane. You went somewhere. Yeah. You got off the plane. You jumped into a cab. There were some You're hijinks. You're jaded, dude. We made, jaded. We did some cool little, you know, we did some groovy. Yeah. You know, fill, you know, we made it really aesthetically pleasing and unique. And yeah. We'll check and it I'm, out. And by the way, more power to you. I'm like I said, I'm not here to hate on that. I'm just saying, I get it. Yeah. You know, I, I, maybe, I, you know maybe I, I am jaded. I'm in the know. same position of being kind of bored by all that stuff, but this was still a fantastic film. And I look forward to seeing it. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, to your point, though, the experience of going to a surf premiere. Who? I'm not into that, dude. The thing doors opened at seven, so I'm like, I'll show up at eight because I know they're not starting the film at seven. They didn't start the film until 9.30. Oh, my God. At which point, I'm already I would have been trying to go to bed. Yeah. yeah. But it's like everybody's there. I mean, Dane is there, and like all the pro celebrities are there. I'm so not um, going to that. But yeah, but <laughs> it cringe is. cringe at that. It's, it's cringeworthy. I'm like standing there just waiting for the thing to start, going like, this is just a meat it's market like kind of. It's like a teeny bopper, like. Yeah. You know, what do you, what, what? I don't know, dude. It's Justin a, Bieber groupie type environment. Yeah, it's environment. a groupie thing. That's what but to that point, I will say, I saw Carlos Munoz bag probably the hottest chick that was at that event. And there's a lot of hot chicks there. Now that's a surf movie. I might be interested. In. I, I saw like the whole thing go down too. Like I saw him like wave at her, wave her over. And I'm like, whoa, does he know that girl? She's like a 10. And what? there's a lot of 10s walking around there. And uh, Where was this in Newport? No, they did it at um, in Long Beach at like a, an airport, an airplane hangar. Mm. It was kind of a cool venue. The Long Beach airport? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not not the commercial one, but there's like a private right. one next door. Yeah. That so cool. yeah, it was super cool venue, and they did a great job with the event. Globe Globe's been doing a great job, I think, um, hosting things like that, and the film was awesome. So cool. Moving on. Your turn, Scott. What North do you got? Korea. Moving on to a, this would be a surf movie I might be interested in. Yeah. <laughs> North Korea has launched surfing tours. I saw this on the web. Um, it says that intrepid surfers can now book a tour to North Korea's East Coast, which one surfing site describes as, quote, paradise for the sport. The North Korean government is now offering surfing tours. So, again, the North Korean government is doing this. <laughs> Kim Jong-il, right? Is that his name? Kim Jong-il? Something. Is now offering surfing tours to the country's East Coast, blah, blah, blah. Three resorts on North Korea's 1,500-mile-long eastern coastline. And apparently some American surfers said that they had a very good time in the resort with fascinating scenery and a refreshing environment. So <laughs> I, I did a little Google search and I know there's been actually some photos of waves potential in North Korea. 
And uh, there's quite frankly nothing there that I would, there's a thousand other places I would rather go than North Korea to go on a surf trip. Uh, number one, who are the American surfers that gave that Great quote? Great question. I wish they would have. That's that's exactly what I thought when I read that. I'm like, well, who are these guys? And how come they don't have their names attached? Exactly. To this? Yeah, it complete could be complete propaganda by their government just to get people to come over. But um, I agree with you. There's a thousand other places I would rather go unless... What if it is a paradise? What if it's completely Dude, untapped? It's North Korea is not a paradise. Well, North Korea politically is a nightmare. I'm just saying, what if it's the next Indonesia and it's empty and nobody's surfing not, it? But How do you know it's Because not? I Google earthed it and the nation of Japan, the 1300 islands or whatever it is, completely blocks any swell. The only thing it's going to get is some windswell from the Sea of Japan. And, you know, whatever. It's cold, windswell. I think I live, you know, that sounds like Long Beach. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be surfing North Korea with Matt Banning and Carlos Munoz <laughs> yes, by ourselves scoring. And you're going to be I, here. I wish you luck. My bummed friend. out watching 22 Jump Street <laughs> in a theater. Go get them. Don't knock 22 Jump Street. Was it 21 Jump? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, 21 Jump Street was awesome. It was pretty good. Hit. Surprisingly good. Yes. Yeah, surprisingly totally. good. And I've heard 22 Jump Street is surprisingly good. I have five films I'd rather see before I end Name up in a theater them. for that. You don't have five films. Totally do, Name dude. Them. I would like to see the new Woody Allen movie. It just came out. Oh, God. Dude, you're <laughs> the new drink Zach a glass Braff. of wine and the watch The new Woody Zach Allen. Braff movie. It looks good. Oh, God. There's two. <laughs> Woody Allen. I did see that movie Boyhood, by the way. Have you heard about that? No. It was filmed over the course of 12 years. Oh, I think you told me about this. No. This sounds fascinating. I didn't tell you about it. Somebody I heard about it. this. Yeah. Really li fascinating. Literally, they, they took an actor who was aged six years old yeah. and followed him until he was 18. Yeah. And, I mean, it was scripted. It's not yeah, reality. Right. But um, Ethan Hawke is mm -hmm. the dad. Yeah. Uh, Patricia Arquette's the mom. And so you watch these people age over the course of 12 years. And it's just a coming-of-age story. The mom gets divorced a couple times, and the kid goes through growing pains of high school and all that. So it's not like super, super dense plot, right. but it's just the novelty of watching everybody right. evolve over 12 years is How long was the movie? Two hours and 45 Can minutes. Can I watch those 12 people, those 12 years, or whatever it is, in less time than that? Like, seems like to me this you could, could be a good three-minute clip on the, no. on the internet. No, I mean, the, there's enough plot to warrant a two-hour movie. Okay. The 45 minutes might have been gratuitous, but um, I fully enjoyed it. I never felt bored or like it was going on too long. But I it also was the knew novelty of it. Though. The story stands alone, yeah. but the novelty adds an extra layer of richness to it. All right. You know, so I'd recommend it. But I went in knowing I was going to be there for two and a half hours, so I was okay with it, you know? You well, speaking that. of movies that maybe were too long. Okay. Um, Koa Smith, Alex Smith, they put out this video clip the other day, and it's blown up like crazy on the internet. It's called Diamonds in the Desert. Yep. And um, I thought it was, I mean, it was, it was mind-blowing. It was incredible. Now, as you know, because you saw it, right? Yep. The first wave where they show um, Koa Smith get this ridiculously long slow motion barrel and they play Pink Floyd's Breathe. I thought if they would have just stopped it right there, they would have hit a home run. Yeah. But it was 14 minutes long and it got to be a little bit monotonous. Yeah. I thought if they just could have edited it after that first wave, then they would have had us and we would have watched the next one next week and the next one the week after that and the next one the week after that. Granted, they might not have been as good as that. But I, didn't you feel like that would have been so much more powerful if it would have just stopped after that one wave? Yeah. And 
I'm jumping ahead, but that is my must-see moment of the week. It was, and it's not the edit itself. It's the one first wave that Koa gets is the must-see moment. Yes. And you open up the clip with the best wave of the trip, and it's just a left barrel. I don't think we've said it yet, but the it takes place at Skeleton Bay, that right. super long left that Corey Lopez kind of unearthed a while back. And we saw an incredible GoPro clip from Benji Brand about a month or two ago where he gets four or five barrels on that wave. This is the best Skeleton Bay we've ever seen in any media that's come out. And Koa Smith on the first wave gets the best wave we've ever, I mean, it's a perfect left barrel that goes on and on and on. And he doesn't even come out of it, I don't think, once in the whole wave. He's in the barrel the entire time. And it spits two or three times, but he stays in it the entire time. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. You open up the edit with that and then you show lesser versions of that wave over and over and over again throughout the edit it is kind of monotonous and overkill. Yeah. Uh, but and I thought, gosh, who, how did they get rights to that song? Or did they? No, you don't need to get rights. You don't? I mean, <laughs> dude, you, not, not in the, the internet. Yeah. No. You Are you don't. a lawyer? Or? Well, I'm not a lawyer, but they're not selling anything. They're right. just making an edit of themselves surfing. If they were selling a product attached to it, that'd be different. Yeah. That's so. interesting. That that's, that's a whole can of legal worms. I think that needs to be opened because certainly you could argue that they are selling the brand Koa Smith. I mean, Koa Smith's a brand. If you, you argue, argue that we're all brands, that, that David Lee Scales and Scott Bass, and we all really represent ourselves and our brands, just as Kelly Slater's a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, Koa Smith, you could argue, is a brand. And oh, by the way, there's a ton of Hurley stuff in there. Yeah. Branding. Right. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. That is and I'm just slippery playing, legal I'm, territory. Yeah, just, that's it. That's all it but, is. And it's, I think it's being redefined daily I with agree. the way that the internet does business or, or, right. or promotes things. So you're right. But currently, I don't see any, uh, any I threat. Say, hey, I'll, more power to them. I love it when, when, uh, when you hear like great songs that need to be in surf movies. I mean, that was a great song for yeah, that clip. It was perfect. Um, I'll talk more about their editing style later in the show because why why wouldn't you do it now while we're talking because it fits into the closers the duke and the musty moment and all that kind of stuff so i'm gonna reserve a little bit of it all right um what else you got shark week oh okay shark week is going on i don't know if you caught monday's shark week where they talked about submarine the largest great white shark in the history of great white sharks educate me it was incredible it was fascinating this massive shark Apparently killed two people. Um, they tried to hunt it down. I think they failed. And I could be wrong because I sort of came in and out of this show okay. while I was doing other work. Um, but I did see one portion of it where they were talking about submarine, the largest great white shark, still alive, still roaming the waters of South Africa. And these two guys from America went over after high school uh, on their summer trip or whatever and decided, hey, wouldn't it be great to go for a shark dive in a cage? And so they hired a guy and he goes, yeah, we'll go. And they um, put him in the water. And as soon as the cage hit the water, this giant submarine great white shark comes up from beneath them and just slams their cage full force, freaking these two kids out. Just imagine Uh, you're in the water for like 30 (laughs) seconds or less. And this thing is attacking you with all its might. And it's like 30 feet long. It's massive. It proceeds to rip open the cage and tear one of the guy's legs off at the knee. They pull these two kids from, from California, I believe out of the, onto the boat within a minute and 15 seconds. And this kid's lost his leg already. 
It's an amazing story. And they wow. have the guy on the beach here in California, you know, talking post fact with his prosthetic leg. Holy crap. It's gnarly. So the, the shark just mangled the steel cage. Mangled the steel cage, tore the steel cage apart and ate the guy's leg. Unbelievable, dude. Just super angry. And this is this is a known shark that they have a name for that's still out there. Right. That, that's that's quite frankly, you know, taken some lives. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. No, I submarine. We might have to do a YouTube search for submarine. I, I guess so. Shark. Yeah. Where would you uh, put that YouTube video, Scott? To share I'm it with our listeners. Probably on downthelineradio.com. That is a novel idea. Downthelineradio.com. <laughs> I'll put it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Great place to see all of the things that we discuss in this show, including Koa Smith's barrel. I would suggest to you that your site's probably a little better than my site. Quite, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, <laughs> if you were to compare sites, yours is, yours is much like yourself. It's, it's kind of cleaner, more produced, shinier nicer well mine's sort of dorm room floor that's very kind of you to say thank you scott uh i haven't been watching shark week but um it's super interesting to me it's just like i don't know i don't know if i'm scared of it or what i'm definitely scared of it the only reason i'm watching it is because my daughter is like daddy you have to watch this with me and so yeah uh, you know i end up watching it but uh, yeah i try to avoid it for some reason yeah um what do you have tommy carroll it's the 2014 Waterman of the Year. Did you go to that ceremony by any chance? I didn't. Okay. I, this is, uh, I missed it this year, um, but I'm a huge Tom Carroll fan. Have you Can't spent sit. much time with him? I have. Yeah? Yeah, he's a really cool guy, super cool guy. I've surfed Cloudbreak with him. Oh, um, wow. I spent time with him here in this building here at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Um, and you know, he's just a great, great guy. He's a full-on frother, you know. Like, he was a frother before the Godowskises, you know. Like, mm-hmm. this guy froths hard. And he's just a complete charger. And everything you've ever heard about him in the water and seen is is who he is. You know, he's just an incredible power surfer. And uh, just a great guy. And, you know, I've said that over and over. But that's what he is. And he's, of course, overcome a lot of stuff in his life, mm-hmm. which we all have uh, at some level, you know, life throws us curveballs, and we either succumb to them or we overcome them. And um, Tom's just a great guy, such a worthy guy to be the waterman of the year, but, um, presented by SEMA. And it's just, you know, I can't, there's just not enough good things to say about Tom Carroll. He's just a great man. I got to spend a day with him maybe about two months ago um, in the car, like driving down to Lowers, spent the day at Lowers and driving back, went to lunch and all that kind of stuff. And I've invited him on the show to which he uh, politely and respectfully declined, um, unfortunately, because I'd love to have him as a guest and maybe in the future we will. But he's always going, you know, it's like he's got to leave tomorrow to the next place. And so it just hasn't worked out logistically. But um 53 years old. He won this award. He published a book last year. It's called TC, and it was written by his brother, Nick Carroll. I think we might have discussed it a little bit on the show when it first came out, but he opens up about his struggle with addiction. I mean, it's a it's a story about his life. It's an autobiography, but he opens up about his struggles with addiction was the most kind of uh, sensational part of the book, and he confesses about being a habitual drug user his entire life, basically, and most recently using crystal meth from 2002 to 2006. He's got some really interesting stories in the book. He also did an interview with 60 Minutes Australia 
promoting the book and talking about it. It's about 20 minutes long. We'll also post that on our websites because it's well worth watching and it's, it's moving, you know, um, for people who don't know him though. I mean, he was world champ from 1980 in 1983 and 84, um, suffered a lot of injuries in his career, including surfboard inflicted stomach rupture, um, knee surgeries, just a lot of concussion, like a lot of pretty traumatizing things, but always bounced back and is known for just being a model of health and fitness. Uh, Aside from his drug use throughout the entire time, he's always been just this kind of, uh, you know, shredded, looks like a football player or MMA fighter or something, short in stature, but super fit. Surfer pole champ in 84, triple crown champ in 91, um, and I think he's vegan now or vegetarian now and just super health conscious, yoga, like really incredible dude. So I'm a big fan. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One of the one of the cool stories about Tom is is you know during those early eighties um, those years, his sister tragically died. I want to say in a car accident. Yeah, and it I was like the day before the finals of the Pipe Masters. Yep. and. Um, and his sister and he were very, very close. And uh, he went out the next day. And I, I don't want to, you know, um, ruin this, but I want to say that he went out and won the Pipe Masters so, yeah. that next day. And it might have been the year that he did the snap in the semifinals. But again, um, don't don't use me as a source for your historical references here. I could be off. Right. But if you're not, if you're off a little, it's only a little bit, you know, because that's yeah. mostly accurate. Yeah. Are you going to play that music the whole time? 
It's a little bit distracting. Oh my god! <laughs> sorry, dude. This guy's making me turn off JJ Kale. Can you believe? I'm it? sorry. That it was a little bit distracting for me. That is such Maybe our listeners were enjoying the music. That is but... blasphemy, my friend. Sorry, buddy. Um, <sighs> there's another what point. Do? There's another interesting thing that Tommy brought up in that book, which was uh, they discovered that his mother, who had died when Tommy was pretty young, had also struggled with drug addiction. Oh. And they only figured that out through uh, medical records that him and Nick were going through. And so that's interesting, you know? I mean, um, there's a, uh, in terms of like, is there a hereditary component to it, you know, to addiction in general? It, I think there is, but look, you got to snort a lot of Coke too. You know, it's, it's not like you're just born into it. You got to do impulse, your part. The impulse of finding sure. something to soothe, you know, could be the hereditary component. Yeah. You know, I think all of us, um, and again, I'm assuming a lot here, but I think all of us um, have the concept of, oh, you know what, if I have this drink or if I snort this or if I smoke that, it's going to make me feel good for a little bit. And then genetically, the ones I think that are genetically um, disposed to maybe be addicts or alcoholics are the ones that once they do that, their system just turns on right. and it's like, no, there's no stopping. There's right. an impulse. It's a compulsion and, um, and they just don't stop. Right. And that's maybe where the gene kicks in. Well, um, the reason I found that kind of interesting time, uh, timely, uh, was Red Bull's doing a 21 day series right now, which is a, an ongoing series that they do. They're three episodes long and they feature two surfers for each series. And the one that they're doing now features Michelle Berez and uh, Nathan Hedge. And so Nathan Hedge has kind of a similar story. He was on the world tour, really great surfer, but always dabbled in the party lifestyle. And ultimately drugs derailed his career and he fell off tour and spent a couple years sorting things out. Now he's back, he's sober, he's fitter than ever, and he's surfing really, really well. He won a QS event earlier this year. Um, Red Bull, the series, episode one was like leading up to the US Open, which he lost in round one. Episode two was leading up to the Billabong Pro. And so we're in between episode two and three. And what's happened is that he actually got second place in the trials for the Tahiti event. So he'll be uh, given a spot into the main event, the CT event, which will help him, of course, gain more points towards his world tour campaign. But kind of a cool timing for Red Bull to do their series because they're filming episode three right now and that's going to feature him winning or making it through that event and then competing in the actual event. Well, I've put Nathan Hedge on my fantasy team for this event. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, we use the word froth and Hedgehog is one of those guys. He's frothing right now. He wants to get back on tour. He straightened out his life. This guy absolutely friggin' charges. They're saying the swell is going to be massive uh, or at least very, very solid for Chopu. Um, so everything's lining up for him to do well. My only hope is that he doesn't, um, that he takes it one day at a time with the event, you know, because he's sort of already qualified and he could maybe just kind of sit back on his laurels a little bit, rest on his laurels and kind of go, oh, I made the main event. But we know that he probably wants more than that. I guarantee you, you're going to see one thing from Nathan Hedge, either an incredibly, you know, insane deep barrel or a gnarly wipeout, perhaps both. Yeah. But this guy will push himself over the ledge where others won't. So I'm looking forward to watching Hedge uh, get through uh, and hopefully surf far. I'd love to see him get into the quarterfinals or further. You know, I've never been a fan of Nathan Hedge's surfing, but... It doesn't matter at Chopu, does it? It's just like... It doesn't, It's no. about charging. And the older I get, 
the less that influences who I like. You know, it's like now I like the stories more than I like the actual the ability. Yeah. And he has the ability, but his style is just not the most aesthetically yeah. pleasing to me. Yeah. But yeah, I'm rooting for him, you know, yeah, and I, I love too. Michelle, but it's like I'm kind of in there both kind of in this series and that's why I'm bringing Michelle up. But I'm rooting for Nathan. You know, I will put him on my fantasy team. Yeah. So it's a great story. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch that play out. And in fact, that event is going to be fun. I'm already psyching oh, for that man. event. I got so to admit, I, I'm pretty amped up. And I hope they haven't sort of jinxed it because I know Nick Carroll put out a piece yesterday on Surfing Life or one of the Australian websites about the forecast. And that's where I got gleaned this information about how massive it could be. Right. And they were already calling it, you know, perhaps the, the greatest event of the 2014 CT Tour. And we haven't even gotten to day one of the waiting period. So I'm a little concerned that maybe we haven't shot ourselves in the foot here early on. But um, certainly all eyes are geared and psyched. And if the trials are anything like what we're going to see, the trials were really good. Mm -hmm. I talked to my friend Cedric, who's the announcer. Uh, he's the announcer on the in the tower when the event goes on. I talked to him yesterday and um, I kind of asked him, hey, what's going on out there? What's you know, what's up? You know, because you may recall that you know, this event wasn't sponsored by Billabong until a little while ago. It was an open event. It was just called the Chopu Pro 2014. Right. You and I talked about, hey, what's going on? Who's going to sponsor this event? Billabong's out. What's going on? And of course, that was during the time when Billabong was sort of sorting through its own business issues. Um, but obviously, Billabong's back in sponsoring the Chopu event. Uh, they had the trials. As you know, sadly, Michelle's brother, Kevin, massive wipeout, scalped his, you know, his scalp, took his, his head off a little bit. Um, he went, he went through like four hours or more of surgery, lacerations on the face and head. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be okay. He's stable. He's still in the hospital. Um, but so you got to think Michelle Perez is, has kind of got a lot to serve for, you know, not to mention that's his hometown spot. Now he's got this drama of his brother, um, which could propel him or could bring him down. We don't mm -hmm. know, you know, it could scare him. It could make him better. I mean, I don't I would, think anything scares him, but... I would think that would feature in the storyline for the 21 Days series oh, for, sure. for episode three, too. For sure. Yeah. The other thing that Cedric told me was that um, that they were filming a commercial yesterday out there with Kolohe and Dino. Visa was. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Oh, did you? Okay, cool. Yeah. So you may know he. the idea is Kolohe takes off in the tube, makes a phone call using his Visa card while he's in the barrel, orders a pizza kicks out and a jet ski rolls up with the with a pizza in hand and delivers a pizza to him while he's you know just kind of okay scampers up scampers up to the jet ski to the personal watercraft so a visa commercial he said it was really fun they were out there all day yesterday filming it interesting and everyone in the channel getting involved with it it was cool i heard that he was doing a commercial with them i had no idea what the storyline was yeah pizza delivery in the tube at chopu interesting with kolohe and dino yeah that kid's got good uh management and agents dude because he gets the best deals ever yeah well he's sort of the golden boy um and and quite frankly you know i'm rooting for him I, you know there was a time there when he seemed over managed yeah and over coached and over you know and he's sort of grown it seems like he's actually grown mm -hmm. like in stature like he's like six one or something he seems like he's gotten larger yeah but um but he also seems to be kind of like becoming his own man out there and mm -hmm. um and he's taken down Julian. You know, there's been a few matchups with him and Julian Wilson. Right. And I've always been rooting for Julian because he's been on my fantasy team. And um, Chloe surprised us a little bit. He's really – I thought it might take him one or two more years before he kind of comes into his own. But um, he's sort of pushed 
some of the periphery away from him. Um, and um, he's sort of taken on his own trip and uh, he seems to be doing well. And I, you know, I was hemming and hawing about putting Chloe on my fantasy team. Like, mm, you know, right. If it's going to be big, I, I want to see veterans. I think veterans are going to shine, which is quite frankly, Hedge is a veteran out yep, there. Absolutely. And, um, and Chloe, I don't know, but he's so big, you know, that he kind of, like, he seems like he's gotten big and strong. So he, he has, knows? and I like him as a human, but, um, he's not going on my fantasy team for Chopu. No. All right. No. Um, I, I just, so you know, I'll tell you, if you don't mind, I can tell you, I, I put, I've got Kelly McFanning, I've got Michelle Perez, I've got Nathan Hedge, I've got uh, Kai Otten, Owen Wright, C.J. Hobgood, and I want to say Miguel Pupo. Okay, Miguel's kind of a dark horse, but well, you makes kinda, sense. you know how fantasy surfer is. You got to put some lower tier guys on. You can't have all right. all stars on your team. Right. Cool. Um, what's your next topic? Well, um, gosh. You know, last year, or excuse me, last week, Hurricane, is it is Issel? I'm not sure. The three hurricanes, Julio and Issel, and um, Tropical Typhoon Genevieve, which which sort of reinvigorated and re-strengthened, they've all made it uh, quite an interesting week for the surfers in Hawaii. And um, probably the most noteworthy thing was this sort of really peaky, wedgy, random... Um, uh, west swell that Genevieve and Julio provided for, uh, or rather east swell that they provided for Maui. So there was these pictures, I'm sure you saw them on Facebook, of these wedgy little random fun peaks on Maui, which is, which, uh, you know, not the greatest ways. It's more that it was a novelty, right. you know, that they got this kind of random, real close together wind swell. So, you know, super close to the islands. And I'm sure it was a lot of fun for those, those surfers, you know, to get something different like that. Totally. Yeah, in a summer when they're used to not getting waves, a season when they're used to not getting waves. Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, North Shore too. I saw some some footage or uh, yeah, photos. Yeah, had but, some photos. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it was of um, like monster mush or something yeah, like that, where it's normally a lake at this time of year. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I don't well, know what I got else you got. I've got something. Um, oh, Mickey Dora's birthday. That's true. Mickey Dora's birthday this week. What are your thoughts on Mickey Dora? What do you know about Mickey Dora? Not enough. You know, I did read up about him on encyclopediaofsurfing.com this morning. And, um, and I like you him. should read it's called, okay. um, all for a few good waves, life of a surf gypsy or something like that. It's written by, um, David Renson. Okay. And, um, it's a complete, really great, um, if you want to really learn about Mickey Dora, I think that's the book to read. What can you tell me about him? Mickey Dora, um, in my eyes, Mickey Dora was, you know, he's sort of a paradox. He was this guy that was like, don't sell out, but he was the first one to sell out. You know, like he mm -hmm. was in all of the first, you know, when Hollywood had its sort of its first incarnation of surf movies, he was doubling and making money off of the Hollywood jet set. And then, you know, the next day he was bummed out that Malibu was crowded. It's kind of right. like, well, okay, well you, you know, you can't have it both ways. And, um, of course, he was a, a, a con man. I think he was a very self-centered, selfish, um, um, not a very th um, thoughtful, compassionate guy. You know, he was very much about Mickey Dora and only Mickey Dora. Um, and this is what I gleaned from the book. You know, I never knew the guy. Now, there's also sort of this romantic side of Mickey where he's this dark knight. You know, he's sort of like the guy that snubbed his nose at surfing and pro surfing and the industry of surfing and and he's sort of the guy that 
everyone sort of looks at, um, you know, that that set of surfers that's sort of anti um, commercialization of surfing. They sort of looked at Mickey as their hero. But in the end, that's that's a contradiction. That's being hypocritical. You yeah. Know? And um, and so, you know, my final judgment um, on Mickey is that, um, you know, I think he was a smart guy. I just think that um, it's not somebody let's put it this way. It's not somebody that I would want my kid to be like. I would. Right. You know, I, I'm not I'm not so sure that um, that he was the most. Um, you know, compassionate, thoughtful, loving human. And I would hope that, that we would err on the side of compassion and love and kindness rather than self-centered greed. Interesting. Uh, that's a good read and a good read on the situation. And I feel like that's kind of the vibe that I had gotten from him from the little that I've been exposed. I know his birthday would have been this last week, um, which do you know how he died? Cancer. Oh, really? Yeah. I, th- okay. I want to say pancreatic cancer. Okay. And but how I could, long again, ago? I could be wrong. It's all in the book or you could Google it and find out. How long ago was that? Oh, uh, probably six or seven or so okay. years ago. Okay. He used to send in these missives to Surfer Magazine when I worked there. He would, this was back when we had faxes. <laughs> we would get faxes from Mickey Dora that were just like random, like, you owe us, you owe me money, you know, you use my likeness without, you know, send me money, <laughs> you know, basically, you know. He's stuck he stuck in Mexico and needed a ride home. Yeah, basically. he was in France or something, you know, he needed wherever, I think he was in South Africa and he needed money and he was sort of always on the scam a right, little bit, right, you know, right. which, which again is, it can be charming unless you're the guy getting scammed by him, you know? Yeah. I just ran into a guy, um, I don't know if I was playing golf with somebody or where I was talking to a guy who was telling me that he ran into Mickey Dora in France in the early mid seventies or whatever. And they both played tennis and Mickey's like, Hey, let's play tennis. And the guy was like, cool, let's do it. And Mickey's like, okay, meet me at this French country club at noon, you know? And he's like, okay. And they would go there at noon and there wouldn't be anyone there. And Mickey would like kind of look around and go, okay, it's cool. Let's go in, you know? (laughs) So he kind of played it out like Mickey, like he was a, a member at this country club. But what my friend finally found out was that, in France, that's when they all take naps. They take like these, you know, two and a half hour siestas or whatever in Europe. Yeah. And so there wouldn't be anyone out there. And so Mickey would roll out there and play tennis and try to win money off of guys. That's and funny. He'd kind of give a wink. He kind of knew the security guard. So he'd give a wink and a nod and the security guard. Of course, everyone adored Mickey. He was a sort of a hero. So he, he used that to his advantage and sort of milked that and used that as leverage and got in at this country club to play tennis. Right. Interesting. You should read the book. It's a great okay. book. David yeah, Renson does a really good job of breaking it down in an honest and fair way. Fair and balanced. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I got another topic. Uh, Luke Egan announces the launch of a clothing brand that he's partnered in called Depactus. And it's designed to compete with Patagonia and Kelly Slater's new brand, which he labeled Outer Known. I don't think we've talked about Kelly since he dropped that. Yeah, the new name for his brand is Outer Known, which I personally hate. It's just hard to <laughs> alliterate. Hard to say, yeah. yeah, Outer Known. Yeah, Outer Known. I um, mean, unless they're going to go okay. Yeah, you know, they're going to shorten it to okay. True, but they're both kind of Patagonia's competition in that they're geared for outdoor life, not just a surf brand. You know, um, and outdoor, high outdoor lifestyle. Yeah, and higher quality. You know, and performance more expensive. Wear. Yeah. Guys like you and me, probably not something my kid's going to want to give a crap about as a 14 year old, but right. 30 year old males that, that, you know, aspire to live that outdoor performance life. 
He, he Luke talked about uh, Mark Healy as being kind of the prototype athlete for the brand, and Mark Healy actually signed with Depactus, and Mark Healy survived Quicksilver's cuts over the last couple of years, and he was still on Quicksilver, but uh, gave up that contract to be a part of Luke Egan's new brand. They also have Rye Crakey from Western Oz and uh, Matt Miola from Maui, who'd kind of been sponsorless for the last couple of years. So, so a couple of high performance guys, and then. And then Healy, who's just like all around water guru, spear Uber, fisherman, yeah. like Uber shark diver, yeah. bow hunter, all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, like talking about a brand, uh, Depactus. Yeah. Talking about a brand launching doesn't really appeal to me for the show topics, but I think that really it highlights a couple of deeper themes that we could discuss, um, that are relevant to our show, which we've talked about the big five brands kind of alienating their core group of surfers. And as they've grown, they've needed to broaden their customer base. And so board shorts designed for surfers are very different than board shorts designed for somebody sitting by a pool in inland somewhere. And so as those brands like Billabong and Quicksilver have diversified from just creating surfing board shorts and creating these other pool sitting board shorts, um, surfers have felt alienated you know they're like dude this isn't really my brand anymore this is anybody who's interested in being involved with surf lifestyle buys quicksilver and billabong and i think that's given opened up a void and a niche for brands like this to fill and specifically that is part of their objective they're like dude we're a core brand if you spearfish we make we make, um, you know, material and gear for you. If you bow hunt, we have stuff that's specific to bow hunting. And I think that that's kind of a, a cool opportunity. And I, I kind of applaud Kelly and Luke for seeing that that is a niche that they could fill because they, they could fill it better than anybody. They are the top level athletes, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to offer. And I actually, that stuff appeals to me. You know, I can, I relate to that. I want to be a part of that quite mm -hmm. frankly, you know, um, um, you know, when you think about the big five, so to speak, really, Hurley owns the space. I don't think there's, I don't think O'Neill, I could be wrong. I don't think Rip Curl, I know Quicksilver and Billabong, they're not really what, what me or my kids want to wear. Right. You know, my 15 year old son, my daughter, um, and all the kids that surf with all those kids down at Seaside Reef. They're really about Hurley. Hurley owns that parking lot. Totally. And, and so... I don't necessarily think there is a big five. Um, you you're know, right. That's kind of an outdated which term. Which is what you're saying, though. Yeah. That's really what you're saying is yeah. that there's such a big void. It's so obvious. I mean, the, the brands that strike me from the Seaside parking lot are, are Hurley, um, Brixton, which is really a skate company, right? I think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, They're a hipster Cap Captain brand. Finn. Sure. Um, Visla now. I haven't seen Visla anywhere, but in the magazines, you mm. know, in their own marketing campaigns. Like, I haven't seen that stuff um you know like in the parking lot you so haven't seen speak. it come up from no. the organic no yeah i haven't and i'm not saying it won't uh, and i hope it does i i, I you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of paul nade because i know that paul nade he like you know you hear the term like surfs in their dna well surf is in paul nade's dna man like that guy is a hardcore surfer he's probably yeah. in the mental wise right now surfing you know right. what i mean and, and quite frankly as a, a consumer that means a lot to me like i, I don't want to be involved with a brand that the guy looks super pasty, pale, white, the guy who runs it. And you find out like he's a golfer that's from Indiana that moved over to Quicksilver from, you know, United Colors of Benetton. Like to me, that's just like, <laughs> eh, I'm over it. You know, like 
Yeah. Um, well, I, I think the, the other story that I really like here is just about Luke Egan, who had been with Billabong for a really long time, kind of a lifer with Billabong. Yeah. Leaving his employer, feeling unfulfilled by his employer. He has creative ambitions that that brand really couldn't let him express. And I applaud that kind of, uh, I don't know, capitalistic sense in people where it's like, yeah, this is a safe environment for me to live out the rest of my days in, but I would like to do more with my days. And so I'm gonna leave and start this new thing that's gonna be a huge toll on my financial resources and everything else, but I believe I in do it. too, I'm stoked on Luke Egan doing that. And it sort of speaks to like what we think uh, Kelly was thinking when he moved on, although he's financially set. Totally. Um, but you're right, it's neat that Luke's doing that. And, and it also speaks to that bit on Surfline about Bob Hurley. Um, I forget who did it or what it was. It was called. a Red Bull. It was a Red Bull. Red yeah. Bull made the video. It's called um, Ripple Effect. Yeah, Ripple Effect. That was really great. I mean, but you know, you know, Bob's one of those guys that he is salt of the earth. He's DNA. You know, like it's the true. He's the real deal. And there's no denying. You can't buy that. Right. You can't get that from an MBA somewhere. Right. You know, like but he, he's legit. But that's what those brands were founded on was well, for that sure, image but, yeah. of salt of the earth. But over time, it's deteriorated and diluted into something else. Well, yeah, as soon as they started, you know, buying golf companies and right. buying ski companies and and bringing in MBAs that are data driven, that don't really don't have DNA in the culture at the company. Um, you know, they diluted the, the salt. They, they got but, rid of the salt in those companies and. Look, it's not to say that they're not going to be successful. I think those guys realize that. They're like, you know what? That's not us anymore. Exactly. We're going to go sell to um, Walmart in right. Indianapolis and kill it. And more power to them and their stockholders. That really speaks to it is that like as soon as you go public, you've, you've sort of now you're beholden not to the surfers anymore, but you're beholden to the stockholders and, and the, the board of directors. And um, once that happens, it's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Well, I think... Um I'm not, I'm not bothered by any of that. Like they I'm should continue either. to do so. I think that it's great. It's good for commerce that they leave these gaps in the marketplace. And it's great for consumers yeah, like you and I, because we have more options and a more competitive marketplace. And it's very natural. I mean, it's it very is. cyclical. These Completely. things happen. This is what's supposed to happen. You know? Yeah. As long as they're not too big to fail and we don't bail them out, you know, like, right. Um, that's just part of capitalism. So Luke, uh, through an email exchange with Gordon Merchant, the owner of Billabong, um, basically received Gordon's approval. Uh, the quote that Luke gave was that Gordon said, good luck, let me know if you need any help. So I thought that was cool. You know, it's it's one thing to abandon your employer and become their direct competitor, but, you know, it's cool that Gordon's cool enough to be polite about it. And well, not, look, Luke Egan, you just got to respect the guy. There's yeah. no way that Gordon Merchant can't respect the guy. Um, Gordon Merchant's pretty... Uh, competitive guy in his own right you know you could read you know what he read into what he said uh, that's probably code for don't ever call me you could, know who knows, could be, for who knows? Sure. I could be wrong but uh, either way stoked for Luke uh, Egan I and I look forward I would not be surprised at all if that company gets some traction and it's a tough gig getting into this industry uh, getting into the clothing industry the soft goods industry it's tough for but sure. if he gets some traction you know look for you know the the pactus pro at G land in uh, 2018 or whatever, you know, that would not surprise me. It's interesting. The fallout of Billabong's financial woes have given birth to Visla with Paul Nade, And now this, it's like, they've really 
cultivated some of their biggest competitors or potentially biggest competitors in the future. It'll be an interesting business study 30 years from now, you know? Yeah, I mean, and then the one brand that we haven't mentioned is Volcom. Like, where's Volcom in all of this? Um, you know, they're publicly traded. They're, they are owned by a large conglomerate. Um, the same people that are running Kelly's gig. Right. And um, Volcom seem to weather the storm. They do a pretty good job of trying to keep it as core as they can. Yeah. Although, um, they got rid of Tom Ruiz. Is Tom with Depactus now? He is. So... You know, you've got some of these people. You know, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, when your message, I think Volcom's message is like, um, it's something like, screw the adults or you, something. Youth against yeah, the establishment. Youth against the establishment. Okay, same thing. So youth against the establishment. Well, look, when you're a corporately, you know, when you're a publicly traded corporation owned by a massive megacorp, you know, you're yeah. sort of, that's... But guess what? Kids don't know that. You know, kids my kid, don't. my kid doesn't know that. My kid still likes Volcom. He doesn't know that. Well, they don't know it because Volcom still puts on incredible events for free, a surf contest for free, where yeah. they they do themes, you Which know, a awesome. hillbilly theme or a NASCAR theme, and give tons of free gear away to kids. Yeah, that's so the that's kids awesome. are psyched. That thing's awesome. Yeah, it really is. Um, and Wolcott's just like a kid. I mean, Wolcott still to this day is like a fifteen-year-old kid, you know at 15th street in an NSSA contest yelling at Ian Cairns and Peter town and their, and their wives. Yeah. Wondering why he didn't advance. Right. <laughs> awesome. For some reason Personal I, have that, experience? I have that image ingrained in my head of Willie. That's right. I heard him just bickering and barking. I can't believe he didn't get through the heat. And just yeah. Throwing a little bit of a tantrum at 15th street. This was probably 1984 or something like that. That's funny. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. I want to point out under the heading of Webland, talked about Red Bull 21 Days series. The other little clip that people should go watch, Mikey or Mickey Wright, Owen Wright's younger brother, his dismount to body surf to recovery. Have you seen that clip? I have seen that. Is that now there's some chatter on the internet that that was planned or that that was fake, but it seems organic and it was pretty rad. It he did an interview with Stab and he they asked him straight out. He said it completely true it did happen it's real it's not photoshopped or faked but basically he's surfing a sizable wave i mean head high reef break left does a backside snap he falls but ends up body surfing down the face of the wave the board looks like it gets blown out the back for a second but he has a leash on so it gets pulled back into the whitewash but it's tumultuous whitewash it's not a two-foot wave it's like a head high wave and somehow when he's body surfing down the face of the wave the board comes down and slips right underneath him in the prone position. So he's laying on it, just completely fluke. Like he doesn't try to grab the board. It just slips right under his body, stands back up on it, and then does a couple more turns on the wave. So crazy. Cool. Yeah. yeah I remember seeing it. It was neat. The other Webland thing that people should check out if they haven't already seen it is Taj Burrow and Mark Matthews shared wave at the right. Did you see that? I did see that. That was insane. I, I pushed that out all over my Facebook. That was mental. Their objective was to get the craziest barrel shot ever. So they did this concept photo shoot um, at the right, which is that mutant quadruple overhead right-hander in Australia and quadruple wide as well, you know, just this behemoth of a wave. And they get towed into it. Taj is in the front. Mark Matthews is behind him holding a, a 
water camera, water housing. So they're both on surfboards and they're trying to both get in the barrel with Mark Matthews behind Taj. But the wave just mutates and shifts and they both eat it really hard. I think Mark Matthews ruptured his eardrum, uh, but the, apparently they got the the best photo ever. And it's, I don't think they've actually shared the A plus stuff. Red Bull's probably going to dole it out, but just seeing the peripheral stuff is pretty insane. All of the crazy stuff that we saw from Koa Smith and then what you're talking about, um, Mark Matthews and Taj, it's going to make for a pretty incredible season of, um, you know, these these shows that Surfer Mag puts on with their Surfer Pole and that the XXL puts on with their event. You know, those productions that they put together each year, they're going to have so much insane footage to see. And it's, and it's the kind of footage that even though we've all seen it, we want to see it again, mm-hmm. louder, prouder, and bigger and bolder. And uh, I'm sure we will. It'll be pretty cool. I've been barreled in 2014 far more than I ever have in the whole rest of my life just from watching the GoPro p- footage on my computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I feel like like I've been inside Backdoor and all these other places that I'll never end up surfing. Uh, it's a glimpse into what it's like anyways. Um, you know, the, speaking of new stuff on the internet, um, have you seen this beachgrit.com? It looks like it's yeah. Chaz Smith and um, Derek Riley. Derek Riley got together. Derek's from Stab. It used to be he Stab. still is. Still is. He's the founder. Yeah, they came together to make this Beach Grit, which is, um, you know, it's sort of this kind of in-your-face, raw, um, Gossip Ultra driven. hard surf candy is what they call it as I read it here on their website. Yeah, a little bit gossipy, but just, you know, like kind of, you know, Chaz Smith. Um, it's almost, I don't want to say it's TMZ, but it's it's pretty. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's interesting. And they seem to be getting scoops on a lot of stuff here. And it's a little risque. There's a lot of, um, you know. Beautiful women, beautiful people. I was apprehensive whether we should bring that up on the show or not, and I left it out of my notes intentionally to give it some time to see where it goes because I have been checking it out, but nothing sticks to me. Like nothing made me want to come back and check out the site again other than just what are they going to do with this? Like none of the stories have very much substance. It's all gossip, and it's pretty... I don't know, not only tasteless, but just like not interesting gossip, you know? Um, I saw Chaz at the Strange Rumblings in Shangri-La premiere. Yeah. He was on the red carpet interviewing people and uh, fully fits the profile, which he outlined in his book, like in terms of his uh, attire and everything. Yeah. Pretty, pretty uh, embarrassing, I guess, is the word I would <laughs> well, use. you know, he, uh, you know, this... This this website that they put together, I, I can see being very engaged in it if I was like 22 years old. But it makes me sad to think that they're trying to engage that person at 22 and just sell them sensationalism. You know what I mean? That's kind of what bothers me about the site. It is TMZ. That's a good. I mean, I guess it's sort of tongue in cheek. Some of it. Like, it. They're trying to be clever. Well, so is TMZ though. You know. And I would be embarrassed if my wife was at home looking at TMZ right now. That's the way I feel about it, you know? What are you reading? <laughs> Just reading all of these headlines. Here's some of the headlines from Here's some of the headlines from beachgrit.com. Surfers with beautiful tits by Derek Riley. And there's men in there too, right? I read it's that mostly one. Mostly men, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what else do we got here? 
there's a pictorial of gals of the 70s, it's soft-filtered nudity from, from girls in the 70s, and there's a picture of a naked girl sitting on a stool eating cereal. Right. Um, Colohe and Dino at 15. Um, confession, I was a judge at the U.S. Open. <laughs> And sex, who was it? Sex for scores, cash for priority. Right. <laughs> See, I'm laughing at it, so it's got to be somewhat. It's got Chaz Smith written all over it. I'm a big fan of Chaz. I think he's a funny guy. I think he, you know, you know what you're getting with Chaz. It's it's you know he's clever and he's humorous and. I can see why it's going to have some traction, I think. It probably will. He published a piece a while back um, saying that he was leaving surf riding and he went to like the Winter Olympics at Sochi and worked for Esquire or something. But then he comes back and drops this on us. So it's like, okay, he didn't abandon surf riding. And uh, did he intend to or was that just a joke? Like, I don't don't get it. It was to get some people off of his back, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have a must-see moment? You know, not really. The must-see moment um, for me was uh, Sunday's final round at uh, the PGA Championship. That was an incredible round of golf. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I missed that. Yeah. You're (laughs) going to want to check that out. Okay. Uh, Why? (laughs) Sell it to me. Well, there was probably six or ten guys within three shots of the lead, the best guys in the world. All The leaderboard was packed with Rory McIlroy and – you know, all the best guys going at it. So um, if you're a golf fan, I'm sure you caught it. And if not, oh, well. Who won? Rory McIlroy won. And the closing, you know, moments of light, you know, they, they got a rain delay. So they were forced to push this thing up. And they barely got it in before it was completely dark. So these guys were hitting their last shot, last shots of the day, basically in the dark. And um, they were crucial shots. They, you know, they were important to the outcome of the, of the tournament. And this PGA is one of the four majors of the year. There's four majors. Can you name the four major golf championships? I would think one of them would be called the U.S. Open. Correct. (laughs) And, oh, by the way, it's held at one of the most, you know, each year it changes. And it's always held at the most beautiful, perfect, uh, awesome, prestigious, and best locations available. Because it's a stagnant environment and they can build it wherever they want. That's the right, problem. Right, which actually gives more credibility to having the, our U.S. Open at the trestles where at least you know, even if it's crappy, it's going to be the best wave on the coast that day. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Um, all right, so my must-see moment I already gave away earlier in the show, Koa Smith's first wave in Diamonds in the Desert. Stab Magazine is calling it the single best wave ever to break over sand. It's pretty incredible. Surfline just did an interview with Koa, and they, they just said, look, let's get to the point. Was that the wave of your life? And Koa says, yeah, it was. You, you saw the one that was put to the Pink Floyd song, that long slow-mo one. Yeah, that was the 100% best wave of my life. But the waves were so good, I, cu- I could have gotten a better one. I wasn't like, okay, I'm done. Oh, the next wave, I got one that was almost as good, but not quite. Uh, Alex Smith, his brother, also had a lot of great waves that he was filming on a GoPro. They later attached that GoPro to a drone to try to get some overhead shots, and the wind blew the drone out to sea, and Alex lost his GoPro and all his footage on it. Well, they're talking about, too, about how much time you mentioned, you know, how much time was he in the barrel? And he's saying at full speed, I think it was a 27-second barrel, and I looked at it once and timed it, but I never did again. So 27 seconds, give or take, full locked in you know barrel the whole time and when you say speed when you say full speed you're talking about the like normal the video footage itself but the reality is 
he is going faster than most people go on a wave normally anyways. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's traveling. They they show another clip in the movie where they're driving a car. They probably cover 400 yards or something. They're driving a car on the sand as a wave breaks and filming it. Yeah. And they I said the that. car was going, I think, 40 miles 40, an yeah. hour. And they're barely keeping pace with the wave. So Koa's probably traveling close to that in that barrel for th- close to 30 seconds. So... We've hyped it enough. You guys need to go watch that. Interestingly, he's saying that they had this clip for three months and they just didn't show it to anyone. They were hiding it. Yeah, I remember. It was the same swell as that Benji Brands wave that yeah. you were telling me about. I remember when they went. Um, do you have a Duke and Kook? Um, let's see. I don't have a Kook. No. Okay. Give me um, your Duke then. Although there was mind. a guy on a stand-up paddleboard who ran me over yesterday. That guy could be my Kook. Did you get hurt? No, but I could have. Did you see that thing, um, Mike, what's the dude's name from Surfline? Chinchulia or Mike? Yeah, uh, I know you mean. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how his last name is pronounced either, but he got run over at Lowers. Oh, really? By a stand-up? No. Actually, he took off on a left, and there was a bunch of kids in the way trying to duck dive who ditched their boards, uh, and he wiped out. He tried to avoid running over a girl who was duck diving, so he bailed, but got hit in the face by somebody's boards from these three kids who didn't duck dive. They ditched their boards. Yeah. Went underwater, got poked in the eye by uh, a board. I did came, see a picture of that. Is that came, what that was? Came up, blood everywhere. He turns to the kid and is like, do I still have my eye? Do I still have my eye? And the kid goes ghost white and is like, uh, yeah, your eye is still in, but you need to get to the beach huge gash gets to the beach there happened to be a couple on the beach who's a doctor and a nurse a husband and wife and they said they helped him and they're like if this was one centimeter over you would have lost your eye yeah and um i'll post a link to that photo he instagrammed a photo out um i think i saw a picture it's all stitched up around his eye and bruised and swollen but it's like the the moral of the story is i've talked about this on the show previously is just you guys freaking learn how to surf before you paddle out to the peak at lowers learn how to duck dive if you're a beginner that's fine but maybe not surf the peak at lowers maybe go surf uppers or churches or sano down the beach you know you need to i don't know recognize your own limitations and strengths and not surf the most high performance wave on in california and then ditch your board in front of people yeah it's one of those things common sense you know it's not so common it isn't dude i don't even go left at lowers because it's just this it's a conveyor belt of people paddling and it's a hassle you're not going to be able to really surf the way you want to anyway so why go left i think it's a great example of why we should surf leashless i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There should be spots where you just don't surf with a leash. Why wear a leash at lowers? Wouldn't it be great if nobody wore a leash at lowers? Think about it. Yeah, you'd be put out a little bit. You might swim a little bit. So what? Swimming's good for you. Yeah. You got a problem with swimming? Don't go surfing. Right. No leashes at lowers ever. I like it. Let's start it, dude. I just did. Hashtag <laughs> no leashes at lowers ever. Well, um, so was that your kook or that was your duke? Who was your duke? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a duke either. I'm sorry. I'm not prepared. No, for that's a duke. all right. I think my duke is your dad for going to see ZZ Top tonight. 
and for being a huge J.J. Kale fan. Yeah, Jeff Beck, too. That's who's playing. Yeah. yeah. I, um, would, I would skip Jeff Beck. Personally. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, my Duke goes to a gentleman by the name of Dean Trainer. And if his name looks familiar, it's because he's the guy who films and edits with the Smith brothers, Koa and um, Alex. God, he's the poor guy that had to film when couldn't go surfing. Yeah. <laughs> and his, their, their project together is called Last Name First. And they've been doing it for a couple years, and I've always admired their work. It's, not a, it's very stylized. When I talked about Sonny Miller in previous shows, you know, not putting his thumbprint on his work and just letting the surfing do the talking. Dean is kind of the opposite of that. Dean uh, puts his thumbprint on everything. All of his work is highly stylized. His music choices are suspect at times, but they always work. It's stuff that I would never use. A lot of electronic music, a lot of dance club music, but it works perfectly with his style of editing. He incorporates a lot of TNA, which could be good or bad depending on what your preference, but he does incredible work. You know, he does these really labor intensive edits and they're always interesting to watch. So he is my Duke given his recent work with, uh, that footage that we've been discussing diamonds in the desert. And then I have a kook for you as well, Scott, okay. <laughs> would you like to hear it? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Who's, what? who's your kook? Um, <laughs> you're going to have to sit with me. I'm going to, I'm going to offend you. Rant right now? Total, total okay. rant. Oh my God. He's going to, is it me again? No, no, no. no. Hang with me though, dude. I've, I've been conflicted with kind of the way that we've been discussing and portraying female surfing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Are you really going to go here? Yeah. Do you mind? No, go for it. I don't care. Uh, I'll jump on this grenade for us. (laughs) It needs to be said, dude. And I'm a fan of female surfing and I want to see the sport progress, but I'm conflicted by the way that it's discussed in the media in that they just did the Supergirl Pro in Oceanside, right? Sage Erickson won, congrats to Sage. But Silvana Lima did a couple airs that were pretty sick for the event. Yeah, I saw them. You I, know? I watched them. But it's like people just shower so much praise on it. And it's like, I like Silvana Lima and she surfs well, but honestly... I watched the NSSA Nationals comp at the Huntington Pier where the waves were two foot and the 12-year-old boys division were doing airs that were on par with that. And people weren't weren't celebrating it when the boys did it. And, you know, it's kind of like, that's sick that Silvana did it, but why all the hoopla and celebration? It's because we haven't seen it done throughout the rest of the event and those were the best airs. But I feel like it's a little bit placating to just shower it with praise when it's being done by 12 year old kids up the street. You know what I mean? It's a little well, embarrassing. It's females though, right? That's why we're praising it. Cause it's females. Or am but I it's wrong? not doing them any favors. I'm just explaining why they're being praised. I, I would agree with you that perhaps uh, there's a double standard there, you know? Yeah. It, well, there certainly is a double standard, but in my intention is to support women surfing and to see them progress. I just don't think that heaping praise on a mediocre air by anyone else's standards is really supporting the cause. You know, I think if anything, it's placating but it. But by female standards, it's pretty insane, right? No other females were doing that, you just said. Yeah, no, that is true. I mean, that's good, because she's going to raise the bar. Now the other girls are like, oh, crap, I've got Sylvina Lima in my heat. I'm either going to have to hope she falls on those, or I'm going to have to learn how to do them myself. Absolutely, and I get that, and that's why I'm conflicted about it. I'm not sure how to really view it myself and how to process it myself. But I will give you one story to think about. 
I was in Costa Rica recently, right? For two weeks. The first week was like boys camp, basically the second week girls camp. And it's kind of a training camp. They go and they surf and review the footage and all that kind of stuff. And for the boys camp, they come home and review the footage and the boys shame one another you know it's like they if <laughs> some kid if some kid does a turn that isn't insane they all just laugh oh dude that was so lame you suck you know blah 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 yeah. <laughs> and then the following week when the girls come the girls would do a turn that was a bog bogged rail or something lame and they would all turn to each other and go that was pretty good. You'll get them next time, you know, and pat each other on the back and praise one another. And it was entirely different. And I, I personally enjoyed the time with the girls more than I did with the boys, but the boys improved from day to day. They improved. And you could see by the end of the week, they were a lot better surfers than they were at the beginning of the week. The girls, on the other hand, not as much improvement. And the argument could be made. The girls might've enjoyed their time at the camp more and they got more out of surfing. That's a different conversation. I'm just talking about for the advancement of their ability and what they're trying to achieve. I don't know that the placating and the constant patting on the back is the best way to improve your ability level. And I would think that that's what they're there trying to do. Everybody's trying to improve their surfing. So Maybe I don't know how to um, interact and engage with females the way I do with males, but that's just my observation. I think the sadder part on that is that is that we've, you know, these camps have put sort of um, goggles on what they consider good surfing. You know, like you have to do that to, or you have to do this or you got to be like that for it to be, quote unquote, good surfing, you know. And I think what needs to be brought out or excavated out of the out of out of every surf session is how much fun you have and how lucky you are and, and yeah you know what i mean like the idea of oh you know you didn't do this turn so you're not going to get scored like this by these judges to me that's just sad and i hope that all of those kids realize that there's way more to surfing than putting on a jersey and trying to get scored and getting a sticker on your board and becoming a surf hero now well, granted when you're 15 years old that's what I was looking at when I was 15. I'm not going to deny it, but um, hopefully they'll mature and I'm sure they will. Well, I think that that's a great point. And maybe that's where I'm conflicted with the Silvana Lima thing is like, she's trying to surf the wave like Chloe Andino and it looks so forced. Whereas if Steph Gilmore gets up on a wave, she surfs it like Steph Gilmore and it's super appealing and there's, it's hard to judge negatively. It's just enjoyable to watch. The Silvana Lima thing, it's like, the, in the video clip, which I'll post on surfsplendorpodcast.com, the first air, she does a pretty sick spin and then kind of gets stuck in the whitewash yeah, and has I to like it. bounce out of it. Yeah. And the second one, she dodges three sections trying to get down the line to then do a little air on the end section that's ankle high. Yeah. And that's where it's like, okay, yeah, that was a cool air, but it was just a waste of a wave. Like yeah. it was embarrassing, you know? Yeah. So I think that's kind of where, to your point, it's like they shouldn't, the females in that comp shouldn't be judged against how Kaloe would be surfing this wave. They should be surfing it the way that is appropriate for their aesthetic and their style and their ability, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, style has been sort of taken out of the equation. For know? sure it has. They, they've replaced it with, with, um, flow, speed and flow and transition. Yeah. You know, how you look in transition, which is just another way of saying, are you stylish or not? Really? Yeah. Well, the flip side of that coin 
Bethany Hamilton did a pretty sick that was air, insane. pretty sick air reverse that is worth mentioning. That was so insane. And even though I, what's insane about it is that when you're in the air with one arm, you're at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. As far as your balance and your weight distribution and stuff, like yeah. she's a, she's she is she never ceases to amaze me. Bethany Hamilton is by far the best female surfer in the world. You think so? She's got one arm. <laughs> you think she's not? Well, I would take never away, say that. Take away Stephanie Gilmore's arm. We'll see who does better. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not arguing with you. I just it's a bold claim, that's all. Um, so anyways, that's my kook is just kind of the way that we're kind of viewing it and placating it and I, My Duke Kanamoku is Bethany Hamilton yeah, for the record. Good call. Good call. Um, one final note for podcast listeners. Since people who are listening to this understand the podcast platform, Mark Marin is a comedian who has a podcast called WTF. He just released an interview or re-released an interview that he did in 2010 with Robin Williams. And people should listen to that. It's a really great interview. Um, really eerie. Robin Williams obviously just died. He committed suicide, struggled with depression and drug addiction, which I wanted to bring up because we talked about Tom Carroll's experience with drug addiction and Nathan Hedges. And Robin Williams in this interview recorded in 2010 talks about his addiction and actually talks about contemplating suicide when he was on drugs and how he might do it. And he made light of it and it was kind of in a joking manner, but it's weird to listen to dark, pretty dark, weird to listen to now. And, um, Mark Marin as an interviewer infuses a lot of his personality into his interviews. And I think that distracts sometimes, but it's also the strength at times. But given that they're both comedians, I think Mark does a great job with this interview. And I'd highly recommend that people go to WTF, search that on your podcast app where you download, and then download the most recent episode with Robin Williams. Well, I've got something that everyone should listen to, and I mean everybody. And you can find it on YouTube. Do a search on YouTube for uh, Simon Sinek. It's a TED Talk. So if you search TED Talks and Simon Sinek, it's called Why Leaders Eat Last. And it's an incredible uh 45-minute talk, probably one of the most downloaded TED Talks in the history of TED. Um, Please check out Simon Sinek. I believe it's S-I-N-E-K, Simon Sinek, Why Leaders Eat Last. Incredible talk. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to checking that out. All right, until next time, uh, again, uh, real quick, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me there, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And David's email, hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com yep hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com i want to thank you scott for sticking to our promise to do this every other week this is two weeks in a row i'm pretty psyched (laughs) yeah (laughs) finally you came through yeah right good god so two weeks from now i'll see you again back here sounds good at this table sounds good okay adios until next time adios and aloha
Right on. Thank you, Mr. Scott Bass, for helping co-host today's show. I hope that you listeners enjoyed the savory sounds of our upgraded audio equipment and recording devices, and uh, hopefully that'll just help to increase the quality of the show, as is our objective with every episode moving forward. And um, once again, I'm sure you know how to find the show, considering that you are listening to it right now. But if you're sharing it with a friend, and perhaps we have a few new listeners out there, download it on surfsplendorpodcast.com or iTunes or the Stitcher app for your mobile device. And um, you can find all past episodes. Everything's archived for free. But on our website, we have a lot of ancillary content in the form of video and photos and links to other websites covering basically everything that we discussed in this episode. And we have a different show page for every episode. So everything is on our website archived for free, including a Spotify player that's embedded um, on the music page. So we have a playlist for each episode. And you can just go through and listen to some of the music that we use here on Surf Splendor, like this jazzy little track from Vampire Weekend that you're hearing now. And um, other than that, I think that's it for today's episode. Just follow us on social media. As always, it's a great way to share the show with friends. And like I always say, you are our only form of advertising. So you sharing it with friends ensures a long, healthy future for the show with lots of interesting new guests regularly. So continue doing that. I send you my thanks. This is your host, David Scales, saying until next week, thank you for listening and ciao.